From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. You know several things within a second of meeting Kristen Shane. This is a person with boundless energy, focus, and the drive to succeed, and really good hair. Seriously, I have never seen a person come out of the gym with more perfect hair, but more on that later. Kristen set herself up for success with an MBA. She spent a few years as a consultant with Accenture. She did a stint in the Peace Corps, and then she began a very successful 11-year climb at Target, where she landed as a vice president running the beauty business. In 2016, she left the corporate world to pursue her dream of starting her own thing, Fly Feet Running, a studio workout designed to get you in the best shape of your life. I can personally vouch for that. I am not a runner, and Kristen Shane got me to run and almost kind of like it. That is her superpower. And that is why I'm so excited to welcome Kristen to By All Means. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Wow, that was an incredible intro. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate the hair commentary. <laughs> so well, great. Seriously, you never have a bad hair day. Oh, wow. It thank speaks you. volumes about I mean, you. And I mean, you. that's I, really, that's something you have to figure out when you are in the fitness business. Yes. And I, you're, you're in your gym clothes and you're, you are your brand and you're running literally and figuratively and you still have the good hair. Yeah. I have to say, like, long hair is kind of the secret because you think it might be a little bit more work, but the secret to all of that is... You only have to wash it like once a week, and if you just kind of let it go, it just kind of looks like maybe yeah. you did something with it. Dry shampoo is everything. You got isn't it. it? Yes. Exactly right. Okay, so let's. Um, w- one thing that fascinates me, you are, I think, maybe the third entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur we've had on the show who got an undergraduate degree in journalism. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Where did I miss the memo? Oh, because on, I have Allie. a journalism degree, but I didn't didn't occur to me to go to business no, school. Give but me a seriously, break. did you did you think you wanted to be a journalist or what what were you thinking? Yeah, so I studied journalism at IU and I spent most of my time on the advertising track. Okay. So I really enjoyed and still to this day enjoy the psychology of understanding how consumers buy things. Mm -hmm. And so I did all kinds of internships in advertising. And my senior year, uh, I had the opportunity to either join Accenture, where, you know, at the time I was 21 years old, and they offered me a paycheck bigger than I ever thought possible, Mm -hmm. right? Or I had the opportunity to work in a really cool ad agency in Chicago doing an unpaid internship. Mm. And so I was like, well, I got to pay rent, so I'm going to go for the Accenture option. And so, you know, yes, I have a journalism degree, and I, you know, it was an incredible experience for me, but I really kind of stayed more on the advertising side, which is consistent with my kind of path. Yeah, makes sense. Going back to get my MBA, I majored in marketing, and and I've sort of stayed in that realm. Do you think you would have gone for the MBA if you hadn't gone to Accenture? Did that put you on that route, or did you sort of have that focus? Um. Well, so I guess what I will answer that question, but here's what I would tell you. When I graduated college, 
I was just trying to get my first job. I wasn't at all thinking about eventually I'll go get my MBA. What happened was when I was at Accenture, I was there for four years, and I I learned so it was a great experience for me. I learned so much about business. I was aligned to the fi- financial services industry, um, but for me, I was like consulting isn't for me because it's just way too far away from the consumer. Hmm. Like you create a recommendation and you just sort of cross your fingers that they're going to implement it the way you would want it to go. Hmm. And I and I I was like I I need to be closer to the results. But the the honest answer is I wasn't exactly sure how to get there. I I I had no business applying for a marketing job and I felt a little bit like I would have to start all over. Mm-hmm. And so Many people go back to business school because they want to change the path of their career, and that's what—that's why I went back. But I knew I had always wanted to join the Peace Corps, and so I knew I wanted to leave Accenture. I knew I wanted to go back to business school. I knew I wanted to get closer to the consumer, but at the time, it was uh, about 2001, and— the dot-com bubble was like kind of crumbling. Um, and so I was like, well, this is the, a really good opportunity for me to just go try and fulfill the dream of the Peace Corps. So I did that for two years, applied to business school while I was in, living in El Salvador and then came back and went to get my MBA. Amazing. You make yeah. it sound so easy. Yeah. Um, I know uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more later, but I'm, I'm curious. I know a lot of young would-be entrepreneurs, you know, look up to you. They're so awed by what you're doing. And today, it's not necessarily the only path to go get an MBA. No. Do you tell them that they do you still think that it is a a good foundation? I do, but I don't think you should go get your MBA because you think that it will give you the skills that you need. I think that getting an MBA is a very personal choice. And so... The reason why I wanted to do it is because I wanted a couple of years to, you know, to your point, I was a journalism major. And so I just I did need I wanted a couple of years to just really understand the business fundamentals and give myself some time to really figure out where it is I wanted to go. But getting an MBA is not the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have spent two years taking a little bit of a step back and and maybe taking a more entry-level role in a CPG company and learning the marketing fundamentals and figuring myself out along the way. It's certainly not the only way to do it, but I just really wanted that experience. And it seems like it gave you some tools and a base that have served you well. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the truth is business school is really hard for me. Like, you know, finance wasn't easy. Econ wasn't easy. Stats wasn't easy. I hated it all. But <laughs> but like I I think that the, I use all of those things today, you know, at Target, which is, you know, so so after business school, I went to Target, spoiler alert. But mm-hmm. I, I ran a, a ton of different businesses there and understanding the mechanics of the financials is really critical. And again, you don't need to go get your MBA to do that. But the fact is you're put in an environment where you get to just really focus on those things. And so I was able to have probably a little bit more confidence going into running those businesses because I had that experience. So let's talk about Target. Um, what was your Target experience like? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, here's the deal. I I went to Target because 
I wrote a business plan when I was in business school that had a retail component to it. And my dad, who who was also an entrepreneur, said to me, you know, I think this is a great business idea, but you don't know anything about running a retail business. And you need to go get that experience before you decide that this is what you want to do. What was the retail business? Can you say? Yeah, of course. So when I when I was in the Peace Corps, I worked with all these women's co-ops and they made things like hand woven rugs and clay pots and hand blown glass and all these beautiful artisanal goods and sold them to a third party who in turn sold them to stores like Pottery Barn and Crate and Barrel. And so talk about being on one end of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. I worked with these women and they sold these goods for, I mean, these like beautiful clay pots that you buy at Pottery Barn for a hundred bucks. I mean, we were selling them for 50 cents or a dollar. I mean, and so in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, like the economics of this makes sense, number one. But number two, like I want to open a home goods store where we tell these women's stories and when and you will go be and buy these goods because you'll feel connected to the women, you'll understand their story and part of the proceeds will go back into these women's co-ops and help them continue to to you know feed their families. Um, so that's what I wanted to do and I wrote the business plan and and, and uh, so my dad gave me that feedback and I said, well, <laughs> Target's coming to campus to interview and let's Maybe just see what that, that yeah first. and I and I had never been to Minneapolis before I grew up in Indiana so I am a midwestern girl um and I just fell in love with the culture at Target and frankly in the merchant world at Target my first job I was a candy buyer and I had a 300 million dollar P&L. Hmm. Are you kidding me? Like what an incredible opportunity. You got That's to, a lot of Skittles. It's a lot of Skittles. <laughs> exactly right. And let me tell you, you say the freshman 15, the candy 15 at Target is very real. Really? Yes. Um so so it's my experience at Target was I was able to be, as a merchant, you're super close to the consumer. You're like where all the action is. They vote every day with their wallet on whether or not your strategy makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. But also, you kind of get to run your own business like an entrepreneur on house money. Hmm. Interesting. So I I came to Target thinking I'm going to be here for two years, uh, and that was in 2005. Uh Uh-huh. And I stayed because I was in nine jobs in 11 years. I ran everything from candy to pets to some food businesses. I ran entertainment, grocery, beauty. Like, I I just had such a great experience. And you liked moving around. I did. Yeah, because it honestly, that experience gave me the confidence I needed to say, well, I've never run a fitness business before, but I'd also never run a candy business or a pets business or a movies business before. And I figured those out. Mm-hmm. So there are just some core fundamentals that you learn being a merchant that are totally transferable to running any kind of business, which is serve your customer the best possible way you can, build the best possible team that people are excited to be on and have fun. And if you can kind of keep it that simple, for sure there are like, you know, understanding the financials of and the and the profit and loss statement and cash flows and, you know, insurance and all of that. Like, yes, but 
if you can just really focus on what matters to the consumer, the rest kind of falls into place. Hmm. Can we talk about Canada for one second? Yes. We can um, talk about it for more than one second. Okay, two seconds. So because that's the that Canada is with so there are three pivotal, robust leadership experiences in my life. Peace Corps number one, Canada number two, and starting Fly Feet number three. Canada was the most robust leadership robust leadership experience I've ever had. So tell me what you want to so, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know all of it, but but let, so you were part of the team yes. that went right at the beginning yes. when Target was going to expand into Canada. Yes. You were tapped to move yes. your family, your life, and and what were you, what was your role? Uh, I I helped build the merchandising organization in Canada. So there was myself and another woman uh, that you know I had. I had half the store and she had the other half of the store. And so we were we were tasked with hiring the whole merchant, I mean hundreds hiring the whole merchant team, building the whole assortment, negotiating with all the vendors, building the planograms, like all the things, like literally building the business from from the ground up, which is um you know, when we when we went to Canada, the question is always like, why did it fail? And there, that's like a really long answer. But, but part of the problem was, you know, we we implemented an entirely new technology platform to to run the business, and um, because of the aggressive timeline to open the stores, it meant that all of the functional areas just had to kind of put their heads down and do their jobs which we all did. But then when everybody picked their heads up right before stores were open and we started to see like, okay, how does the whole supply chain come together? That's where it kind of, start, not kind of, it started to fall apart. Right. Was yeah. that How scary was that? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because we didn't, we didn't really know that. So our first uh, block of stores opened in March of 2013. And we didn't really realize there was a problem until January of 2013. Um, and it was kind of like, you're like, no, this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's fine. Target. It's okay. Right. Yeah. Like, we've got the best and the brightest and the smartest and... Like, there's no way. It's going to be fine, right? Like, it's going to be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fine. We're fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, well, it's not going to be perfect, but it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh-huh. You know, like, you kind of don't realize, like, how bad it is. And because we were moving so quickly and because we had the new technology platform and because everybody was just trying to, like, do their job and we really didn't sort of you know, ideally you open one store and you do end-to-end testing and you make sure the product is flowing all okay. Well, we just didn't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um so, so that so then Tron so the first round of stores open and we're like oh this isn't good and but we're staring another round of stores opening in July and so there was a moment where we were like oh my gosh this is a disaster mm-hmm. but then you have to so quickly pivot into problem solving mode we almost didn't really even have time to be like can you believe this is happening you just are trying to fix the problem and what I mean, that sounds really stressful. Yes. <laughs> and and you've and you've moved your yes. your family. Weren't you pregnant? Yes. Too? <laughs> yes. And, and so I mean, are you more worried about like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna end up losing my job yes. in this? Or are you thinking about like I have failed this company? Yes. What, all of it. All yes. the things. Yes. I mean, you yes. So 
we were all chosen. Like we were the the A team picked to go execute Target's most biggest strategy. Mm-hmm. So it felt like going there was kind of an honor. And then you get there and it is an outright disaster. And you, there's so much. Yes, there's like, I'm going to get fired. Oh, my God. Like, how embarrassing. Oh, my gosh. Like, like how the amount of hours to try and fix a problem that doesn't appear to be fixable. Like, what do you do? And so for me, I I really, I, 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 I had a three-month-old and I had a, f- a two-year-old and a four-year-old. <laughs> And we had moved to Toronto, and I forced myself to look myself in the mirror and say, no, really, what are you going to do? Because all the ingredients are here for a personal disaster, mm-hmm. and I'm not willing to let that happen. And so for me, I, I did two things. I said, there is only one thing I can control in this scenario, and that is how I show up. Hmm. That's it. Like, that's the only thing I can control. And so come hell or high water, I'm going to show up in a way that is um, empowering and inspiring for my team. What that looks like, I'm not entirely sure. But like, that's what I'm going to commit to. And 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 number two, it is clear that this is a disaster and it is clear that we are going to come nowhere near hitting uh, the targets that we were set up here, to, sent up here to hit. And so, in order to show up the way I want to show up for my team, I have to reframe what success looks like. Hmm. So those two things were my guiding principle: like, how do I show up, and how do I re- reframe success for my team? And in the end, what I want to have happen is, despite everything that's going on. I want you to be able to walk into our office and not really know there's a disaster going on because everybody looks like they're doing their best and and they're not crying and they're having a good time. (laughs) Right. Like so. So fast forward. Yeah, it was the biggest retail disaster in history. But like our our we didn't it could all the ingredients were there for a mass exodus, but it didn't happen. Like, you didn't lose your job. You didn't quit. No. You came back. Yeah. You came and back to Minneapolis. I did. Yes. And did people think that was crazy? Did you think that was crazy? Was it, I mean, how different did you feel coming back to Target after that experience? Yeah. Um, well, I. to be honest, I wasn't sure. I was nervous that I was going to lose my job because most people that went up there did. And I and I wasn't entirely sure how it was going to play out, but um, I didn't. I went into the beauty job, which is an incredible job there. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think people thought it was crazy. I think that people at Target understood the dynamic of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the hard part for me was, if I'm just really honest, was. The way that it was handled coming home was a little hard for me to swallow, meaning, yeah, there were a lot of executives that lost their jobs, and I didn't think that was fair because Mm. the reality is we all held hands together going up there, and it didn't feel like we held hands coming home. And so that was part of the beginning of the end for me at Target because I was like, well, hold on a minute. Like, we all moved our families up there, 
and agree that it did not go the way that it that we wanted it to go. But I just would have hoped that there were maybe a few different decisions that were made coming home. And so I just had to think about like, okay, well, my personal value system is a little incongruent with what's happening. And and so what does that mean for me? So that's when you started thinking about starting Fly Feet. Yeah. And was it right away Fly Feet? Was it, I want to start some sort of fitness thing, a studio, a gym? What, what did you, what were the earliest seeds? Yeah, I, so you know, clearly I came to Target because I wanted to start a business. So this idea of starting my own thing had always been something that I'd carried in my heart. And, you know, I, I started to think, you know, what what do I want? I was in nine jobs in 11 years at Target. Like, do I want to continue on this path? I was approaching 40. You know, Target is a great place to work filled with really bright energetic people that you can learn a tremendous amount from. And so it wasn't that I wanted to quit Target. It was that I wanted to chase a dream that I had always had. Um, And so it wasn't always fly feet. I just started to think the next chapter in my career feels like it needs to look different. It feels like I need, if I'm going to start my own thing, like it's, it feels to me like now or never. And so I just started giving myself space to explore what that meant for me. And so giving myself space looked like being deliberate about spending time doing things that I love doing so that I can kind of like let my mind wander and and just start to think about and figure out what that needs to be. So I went on a lot of long runs. When I was in beauty, I happened to spend a lot of time in New York. And and so per- fitness is very personal for me. It's something that's been part of my life forever. And it's like my refuge. It is why, apart from my incredible husband, but it is why I made it through Target Canada without losing my mind. I woke up every morning and went on a run just to clear my head. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been very personal for me. I was in New York and I had, I was on a I was on a bike in a soul cycle class and I had a moment where I was like, wait a minute. This is what I love. Like fitness is what I love and not for the vanity of it, but but really for the mental aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like any merchant, I started doing math, you know. So I finished I, – I just was like, I could do this. This is something that I could bring to life. But there are th- some things that I would do differently. And so I got off my Soul Cycle bike after class and I went to the Starbucks around the corner and I opened up a napkin. And on one side, I was like – you know, how many people are in our class, how many bikes, what is a what is a monthly rent cost and what are the, you know, what do you have to pay instructors? And like I kind of did a PL. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, I was like, what would need to be different about the concept I would want to build? And so that napkin, I I called my husband and he was like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> but and I was like, I think I, I like I think there's something here. And then I started researching the industry and studying what was going on and the consumer behavior and the fitness industry is absolutely booming. And and so I was like, this feels right. And, and this was like two years before I actually left Target. So mm-hmm. th- it wasn't like, you know, 
I had this idea and two weeks later I quit. It was a very long time building the idea. So that's kind of where it all started. So how did you get from that idea and that inspiration to what Fly Feet is? And why don't you talk a little bit about what fly, how Fly Feet works? Yeah. Okay. So It's really hard, but it's really great. Really gratifying. But Allie, you can do hard things. <laughs> I can do hard you things. You can do hard things. And that's really the most exciting part of yes. coming out of the workout. But yes. but you, you wanted it to be yes. kind of rigorous. Yes, because I believe that if you can prove – so fitness is a very vulnerable place for people. I do not care how fit you are. From the fittest person to the person who's like, I can't remember the last time I put on a pair of running shoes. The vulnerability that one feels when they are staring a workout in the face is is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to create a place where um, mentally you were given the opportunity to stare the potential of failing in the face, make the decision to do it anyway, and either fail and realize, but I'm still okay, or conquer it and then walk away going, okay, what else in my life can I do like this? Because I believe that if you can, if you're willing to do that in the studio, it is totally transferable to your life. Hmm. So there's a lot of, and that's just my personal experience, and that's why fitness is so incredibly important to me personally. Um, Did you know you wanted to do something running? And and was that, I mean, I know you are a runner. Yes. Was it that or was it like tactically like, okay, well, Soul Cycles kind of got the corner on the cycling thing. Nobody's doing a studio workout. Yeah, no, based it's, on running. It's, it's funny because I am a passionate runner. I've run many, many marathons. And so running was always the modality that I wanted to use. Because in my mind, as a runner, which to all of the non-runners out there, I'm going to say this and there's, they're going to roll their eyes, which now I understand much better. But I'm like, anybody can run. Mm-hmm. You just put one foot in front of the other. Like, you were literally built to run. Like, that's just the fact. Now, whether or not you like it is different. And so I was like, anybody can do it. Like, anybody can put one foot in front of the I don't care how slow, how fast, but, like, anybody can do it. Now, what I've learned is that people want to smack you in the yeah, face for when sure. you say like, that. Like people hate running. <laughs> they hate it. But it is hate. yeah, but it is the the it's what unites all sports, right? Like and it is sure. it's the fastest way to get your heart rate up. I mean, you know from mm-hmm. experience, give mm-hmm. me 15 seconds, that's all I need, right? right? So running was always a part of it. Um but back to your question like how did I go from the 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 napkin at Starbucks to where we are today? I I I, you know, where I was in my career, leaving Target was a huge risk. You know, it was a, you know, a nice paycheck. I was in a, I was at a level I never thought I would get to. Um, I loved my job. I loved my team. I totally believe in the expect more, pay less brand promise. You know, so like it, it was the hardest career decision I've ever made. And so in order to be able to do that, I spent a couple of years like building the brand. And I thought about it more more from the perspective of this is the business case for Kristen to leave Target. And if this makes sense, 
then I should leave. Until it makes sense, I just need to stay at Target and continue to do my job. Did your colleagues and friends know that you were doing this? That you were going through this little exercise? No. Okay. I mean, I kept it secret. There, There was... I mean, I I remember, like, we have some really close friends, and I I called them. And, like, when the business case was, like, done and I was ready to say sayonara, um, we had them over to our house, and I walked them through it. And I was like, now's your chance to be like, here are all the reasons why this doesn't make sense. And they were like, you have to go do this. Hmm. So I, I hired an agency. Like, I spent a fair amount of money really doing a proof of concept. I hired an agency. We built the brand. We did um, focus groups, several of them. We, uh, you know, I went to every boutique fitness studio in New York (laughs) uh, and in the Twin Cities. So I spent a lot of time doing the research. I started to look for spaces, which was tricky because they're like, wait, what do you do? Are you still going to do that? Like, uh-huh. and I was out in the community and I would see people with our real estate agent and they would be like, what are you doing? You know, no, nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, started to neg- like think about leases, started to talk to banks for loans. So like when I left, we had the lease signed. Like it was So done. this was your way of mitigating risk. A hundred percent. You yes. needed to know that yes. there was a concrete yes. plan of action. Yes. And so I got up. At four o'clock in the morning every day for two years, to to work on the business. Yes. How, at what point did it become fly feet running? And I mean, how hard was it to to figure out specifically what it was going to be? Yeah. Uh, well, I worked with two agencies here in town. Uh, Fame was the branding agency that helped us figure out the name, um, and the mark, and the look and feel. And Hot House Collaborative was the other group that partnered with us to really it was a it was a collaborative effort because I was like, here's how I want it to look and feel and sound and the brand voice. And Hot House helped me triangulate that with here's how a normal consumer thinks about business, because I'm not a normal consumer. I've fitness for me is something that has been a part of my life forever. I've never fallen off the wagon. I'm not afraid of it. It is just part of who I am. Um, And so I needed to, but I recognize that not everybody feels that way. And Fly Feet is not intended to be a place for fit people to get fitter. Fly Feet is intended to be a refuge for anyone who's willing to put in the work to be better. And so that's very broad, mm-hmm. you know, and so we did a lot of focus groups with people who said, I'm not fit, but I am motivated to be fit and what would need to be true in order for us, you know, to create something that would make you want to come. So it was definitely uh, uh, something that I couldn't do by myself. I had to take partners, but but I spent take partners in term. Are you talking about the branding or the actual like? opening of the studio the branding and, and all yeah that. but there yeah. also was a fair amount of expense going in I mean those are expensive yes. treadmills you've yeah. got I mean you have a studio that is that has treadmills it's a treadmill based workout where you do intervals yes am I yeah that's right butcher? is that, no, that that's right. I mean you do it okay. Ellie. Right. well I do you it you know it. yes um but I mean that that had to be expensive yes how did you raise money before you opened is it your was it your initial investment yeah so it's a combination of a bank loan and our own funds. 
Um, Your husband went into the business too. Yes. Also had a target. Yeah, that was. Had a degree. He did, yes. That was um, one of my best hires, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, you know, he, he, left Target before I did, and he was actually working uh, for a different company and just not super fulfilled in the job he was doing. And I, we were at dinner one night after a couple of cocktails, and I was like, this is my moment. And so I was like, hey, just take six months and just help us launch it. And you don't have to stay here forever, but, you know, like, it would be a great opportunity for you. It's a huge bet for our family. You know, just do it. And he agreed. So I know I got him, but he stayed much longer than six months. He's not in the business anymore. He's still, I mean, obviously since it's ours, he still does a lot of things, but he, you know, went back into the corporate world and has a job now. And, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. Does was, that feel better for y- your marriage and your family? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, both of us don't need to be in it. And frankly, like the fact is, Fly Feet is meant to be a multi unit business, which means I don't need to be in the, I shouldn't be in the middle of it. So, You've seen me do think, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about that I did after I left Target is I I still do a fair amount of consulting on the side, which has been helpful as you get a business up and running because you don't pay yourself for a very long time. Um, and and I've started the Catalyst Circle and I've I've been able to do some other things because we have an incredible team that runs both studios and I don't need to be in the middle of it. So you'll see me continue to kind of step away a little bit from the business just because when you think about what is the highest and greatest use of your talent, I have a great team that does an incredible job running the studios and they don't need me in the middle of it. And so I'm asking myself, how do I position myself to help Fly Feet grow? But also personally, what else should I be doing to continue in my own career? I think it's really interesting that you say that. And I know we've talked about that offline, so I hope it's okay that I'm going to say it yeah, here. Sure. But I know that you had to sort of go, you you do embody the, the spirit and the energy and the culture of Fly Feet. And you have, you are out there, you're on Instagram. Talk, I mean, people know you as the face of it. And I think that was tricky for you just coming out of the corporate culture where that's not yes. the way it works. Um, how do you, how do you find that balance where you feel comfortable sharing your personal story, but yet you aren't so tied to it that the brand can't, yeah. you know, survive without you? That's that's the question. And that's, I'm not sure I've totally figured that out because you're right. At Target, I was, and most executives at Target or Best Buy, like I feel like we all kind of operate the same way. You, you don't, you're not you don't really have a personal brand. You know, at Target I was running a beauty business. It was about Target and about the team and the beauty but it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. Um and so when I left Target, it was difficult for me to figure out how like like how to show up on social because part of me was like I'm not that interesting. Like nobody cares about like what my life looks like. Um but what I figured out is actually one of the things I love to do is mentor people who are, you know, 
trying to figure out if they're stuck in their career or trying to figure out, you know, what's next for them, you know, working through a problem at work. Like I love spending time and mentoring people and I can talk about that. Like that feels really authentic to me. And that's why I started the my blog a year ago because I was like, well, I, I think I have something to offer that might be helpful for people. And so when I was like, I'm not exactly sure what my personal brand is, this felt very authentic and like something I could talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I've started to do that. And then it's given me the confidence to say, no, actually, yeah, I am the founder of Fly Feed. And, and I'm not. And people are afraid to come to Fly Feed because they think it's so hard. But the truth is, like, I'm a 43-year-old mom of three. Like, I am not... I am not trying to like do a bikini like bodybuilding contest. I am just like a regular girl like who gets on the scale every morning and half the time is like, dang it, that number doesn't look like super great. You know, like I, I'm not I'm just like a normal person. Yeah. But I am. I do have a very aggressive or I don't know, driven mindset in as it relates to my workout. But that also sort of translates for to how I think about my career and my life and mm-hmm. and all of that. So that's why you started the Catalyst Circle. Do you want to just yeah. talk about that for a second? Yeah. How's I, that going? It's so fun. Because um, you needed another thing to start I, while you have two <laughs> fitness centers and you've got this. Ro- we didn't even talk about the robust retail part of life. Oh, yeah. That yes. is doing so well, too. Yes. Thanks to Kate Lehman, who does a lot of our retail stuff. Um, you know, I... Yeah, I started the Catalyst Circle with two of my friends, Carly and Cade, because we we see a lot of there are a lot of panels and events and things that go on in the Twin Cities, which are super fun. And it's so great that we live in a city that is just so just alive and and really supportive of entrepreneurs. Um, But I felt like there was a piece that was missing. Um, a lot of the panels that I went to were with founders who sort of built their business from more of a, an early, if, if I can, like just an early age where there was a lot less to lose, if I'm just being really mm-hmm. honest, right? Because if I would have started, well, first of all, I couldn't have started Fly Feed in my early 30s because I didn't have enough money Mm -hmm. um, the way that we launched it. Uh, But and so I started it like in my 40s where when we when we had more money. But but I just it was a bigger risk for us because we had more to lose. Sure. And so I was like, we need panels where we can bring people rock stars to the people like these are the been there, done that leaders. These are people who you are like, I would die to have coffee with you. I would die to understand how you, Stacia Anderson, left Target. You were the brand president of Abercrombie. Now you're leading half the you know, you're the executive vice president of marketing and merchandising at PetSmart. You know, how did you do it? Like, walk us through that. and But, like, be real. Like, break it down for us. Don't give us, like, the Instagram look. Tell us really, like, what went through your head. And these panelists are just real and raw and authentic. And the people sitting in the audience are like, oh, my gosh. Like, they look like they have it all figured out. They are in these incredible careers. They're CEOs. They've started companies. They've taken these risks. And they've been successful. And they're on the other side of it. But wow, that was messy. Like they couldn't, there wasn't, 
it looked like a very linear progression, but wow, all those moments where they didn't think they would make it or they made the wrong term or they had to recover or what that looked like. Like those are the conversations that I didn't think were happening in the community um, because cor- there are a lot of corporate executives that leave and go start their own businesses. But because we're groomed as a corporate executive to not really have a personal brand, they're just not out there. Mm-hmm. And so the Catalyst Circle was like an opportunity to bring these guys out there. How do you find the time to, I mean, is that is that your give back? Is that instead of having coffee with everyone who wants to pick your brain? I mean, is that, or is that a really another business play? Um, well, it's, I'm not sure. Like, it's, it could be another business play. It, it, right now, it's sort of a give back because we just break even, which is fine. You put on events, you put the panels yeah, we, together. Yeah, we charge for the event, but the money that we charge goes back to putting the event on. So we don't write ourselves a check. So it really is sort of a, a service project, which is fine. Um, and that's fulfilling and meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's just like I saw the opportunity and I felt compelled to put something together that answered the call. Yeah. It might be a bigger opportunity one day. Meanwhile, Flyfeet has two locations. Yes. When will there be more? That is a question that is on my mind every day, obviously. And it's changed a lot. You know, when we launched Flyfeet in 2016, there was no Peloton. There was no mirror. ClassPass did not have digital content. Um, There are at least a dozen fitness studios in the Twin Cities today that were not here when we launched. Hmm. Like, the good news is that the fitness industry is growing like crazy. The bad news is the fitness industry is growing like crazy. Like, it's just very competitive. And um, I think... I believe that Flyfeet has an incredible opportunity to grow because we offer a really differentiated experience in the market for the consumer. How that happens is really important right now at this juncture in the business because at this juncture is when people, the businesses have the highest potential to go sideways, meaning you know, we've only been around for a little over two years. It's a very expensive business to scale, as you pointed out earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to build a studio and those treadmills are not cheap. Like each treadmill is like a kid's college tuition feels mm-hmm. like. Um, and so it this is all the ingredients are there for a business owner to get way out ahead of their skis, mm-hmm. right? Because two studios... If the business gets soft, which we've been lucky that it continues to grow, but if the business gets soft since I own 100% of it, like, I can manage that. With six, I couldn't. So it's that question, what's next, is is a really, really big question for us. So I think a couple of things. I think that, you know... I can't scale Flyfeet by myself financially. Like, we'll, we will need a partner. Um, and there are a lot of ways that can happen. It can be a strategic. It can be, um, you know, institutional investors. It can be angel. It can be a lot of different ways. Um, but I, but I, we need to show that we work in a different market. So our next studio will likely be outside of the Twin Cities. Um, 
And I'm thinking hard about how that comes to life. And then to go from three to 100, you can franchise, you continue, you can continue to just building. I mean, there's so many options, but the long answer to your short question is I'm not entirely sure, but what I do know is they, it needs to be in another market. And, and, uh, we we've talked to several different entities to figure out financially how to bring it to life. And those are all still questions that we don't have answers to. Do, do you enjoy that part? Do you have a lot of napkins with notes on them yes. right now? Or is that stressful? No, it's not stressful because it would be stressful if we were in a position we were where we were way out ahead of our skis, where we were like, Holy crap, we have to grow because we can't support the expense base. You're in a comfortable yeah, spot. Yeah, like right the now. studios like are profitable. They work. They are growing. The team is good. We so should like, mention what was that stat that you gave me? That how what percentage of women owned businesses make yeah, it so past a million dollars? Thirty percent of businesses are owned by women, and only two percent of women owned businesses eclipse the one million dollar mark. So Unbelievable. like I feel proud to be part of that club, you which is be. great. Yes. Yeah, but I like that. I, to answer your question, yes, I like that work. It's fun to me, which mm-hmm. maybe sounds weird to people, but like those are the problems that I love to solve. Like I would rather figure out those super strategic, risky, messy problems. Like that's my jam. Like that's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. Um And that is why, in order to be able to do that, I have to have a super fantastic team in the studios running the business so that I can do those things. And I spent the first, I mean, you know this, I spent the first three months opening and closing Fly Feet like every day, doing all of the jobs, folding the towels, pulling the hair out of the shower drain. Like I did all of the jobs. What was was the biggest learning from that hands-on experience? Um, I, I, there's so many, but I would say... Again, I just go back to this fly feet or any business is successful based on the team that's running it. And if the team is engaged and inspired, then so will the cus- the customers will be engaged and inspired. And so for me, the biggest learning was um, as a leader, I had to figure out how to lead my fly feet team the way they needed to be led. And what I mean by that is in the beginning, I was leading them the way I led my target teams. Mm. These are very different people. Like they're motivated by different things. They're worried about different things. They need different things. And so as a leader, I had to figure out like, okay, well, what's important to them and what kind of structure do they need? And how do I create jobs that make them excited and not, you know, like I remember I I told you my first job at Target, I had a $300 million Mm P&L. Like that was so scary. But part of me was like, game on, like, (laughs) let's go. I'm so excited for this. But not everybody feels that way. Right. So... It, it, Some that people want to like run all day and lift a lot of weights. Yes, a hundred percent. So yeah, that was I think the biggest learning for me. Yeah. Well, it will be fascinating to see where you go. I have no doubt it will be bigger and better things. Well, you're thank doing you. amazing things already, Kristen Shane. Thank you for being here today. It's fly feet running. Don't be afraid to try it. Really, that's you right. Can, if I can do it, you can do it. Anyone can do it. That's right. Thank you, Ellie, for having me. Absolutely. Stick around. We're going back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business.
When you're building a business to scale, like Kristen Shane is, what do you do after that early success? Let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Alec Johnson is an associate professor in the Department of Entrepreneurship. He's also a small business owner himself. Maybe you've heard of A.C. Johnson Fine Art Photography. Professor Johnson, thanks for being here. You heard what Kristen said. She's got so much energy and enthusiasm. She's built two successful clubs. She clearly wants this to be a national brand, but she She's at that kind of really tricky spot right now. Does she raise money? What 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 do you do next? Well, first I would like to say congratulations to Kristen. I loved listening to the interview you did with her and I was totally inspired. By She's her. that kind of person. She really is. Her energy, her intelligence, yeah. her work ethic. So it is not unusual to find people like Kristen in this situation. As she said in her interview. The good news is she's in a growing industry. The bad news is she's in a growing mm-hmm. industry. Right. And uh, another way of thinking about that and this turning point for her is because she's in a growing industry, she needs to grow or she'll find herself shrinking as part of the overall industry. And because that, others are growing around her. Because everyone's growing around her. And that puts you at an immediate competitive disadvantage. You have to spend more on marketing. You have to just, it just costs money. And so, yeah, she, she needs to make some choices about where and how she wants to take the business. It seems like a, a, a tricky spot. We, we spend so much time talking about the initial part of the journey, just getting off the ground. And then it's like, oh, yay, it's successful. That's it. But that's not the end of the story. This middle part seems almost harder to navigate. Exactly. And I assure you, for her, it doesn't feel like the middle part. It feels ah. like the beginning part. It mm-hmm. all is challenging, scary, and you're making decisions with little information, uncertain information. And she has proven her business, but she rightly said, I need to prove it in a different market. And that is an entirely brand new and different challenge. So, yeah, the journey keeps throwing entrepreneurs challenges and hurdles to get over. So maybe just good to be aware when you're starting out, or maybe it's maybe you shouldn't think about it when you're just starting out that the the, the challenges don't end after that first success. A lot of entrepreneurs, you've probably heard say, "If I knew then what I know now, I might have chose differently." Right. So so maybe a little naivete uh, can go a long way with an entrepreneur, yeah. as long as you have the backbone and willpower that. Kristen has. Thanks, Professor Johnson, and thanks to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't already, please subscribe to By All Means wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to know more about the show, go to tcbmag.com slash by all means. I'm Allison Kaplan, and on behalf of Twin Cities Business, thanks for listening to By All Means.
takes teamwork to make By All Means, and we've got some all-stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Ferlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas Senior Media Relations Manager, Vanita Sakar and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, Laura Dunham, for all their help. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Hope you enjoyed By All Means. 